Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Who Art Thou podcast. I'm your host, Barra, and today's guest, I have Chris Dardis on. So Chris Dardis, you probably know him if you've ever been for a pint in Chennai. He's one of the head bar- bartenders there. Uh, he's also the guy that organizes all the music there, which is a world that I don't know about, but booking bands and all that kind of carry on. I have a notion about it. So it was great chatting about that. It was very interesting. He also works as a promoter for The Fun Machine, and he also has a background in sound and music production. So it was a very interesting chat, I have to say. We did get sidelined quite a bit. <laughs> Talked about... We went off topic quite a lot. You'll see You'll see when you see the episode, but um, I hope you enjoy it. It was really fun. The guy is literally an encyclopedia of, of Irish music, knows so many bands and so much about them as well. Um, I hope he's enjoyed the episode. Here's the theme music by Zach Stevenson. We'll go. We'll start. Well, I think we're ready. Are you ready to start? Ready to start. Ready. All to right. Go. We're gonna have Chris Dardis on for the podcast. It is Chris Dardis, isn't it? It is. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's my alias. Well, because I normally know you as Chris the Bar Whore is the as the is the name that I would be associating you with. But uh, thank you very much for coming on. So this is gonna be episode. I think it's episode twenty three. You'll be on as the guest. Twenty three. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're here with uh wait i've got my lovely glass of wine i'm a new new humble abode for six weeks so uh you're gonna be the first guest here for it (laughs) yes so um i know you like uh obviously from senior round gigs and all that kind of carry on and but uh, like how did you so uh, okay let me rephrase that so you studied music in bim was it was that and like were you always interested like a huge interest in music or um, I found music when I finished school. I started doing a PLC course in Dunboyne and I started organizing gigs because I wasn't our studying. So I started organizing <laughs> social nights uh, for everybody to go out because there was no social life whatsoever. It was like a couple of pubs in Dunboyne or whatever. And then Blanche was like the closest big town. So I lived in Blanche. I, I drank in Captain America's in Blanche. In Captain Amer- I didn't even know there was a Captain America's yeah. in Blanche's town. <laughs> <laughs> big suburb that it is <laughs> but um, there used to be nights there like Monday, Tuesdays and Wednesdays when I was unemployed after school and I'd go in on the Monday the Monday was like singer-songwriter night and then the Wednesday was karaoke night so I got to know all the lads that were organising the gigs in there and uh, so I started organising college socials then back in 18, 19 in, in school and that's what got me kind of down the music path yeah, yeah. I was studying nur- pre-nursing at the time, which... Pre-nursing? Yes. I can't see you in that position now at the moment. <laughs> I know, yeah. I love telling people to fuck off. Like, that's the problem. Uh, yeah, so I was studying pre-nursing and didn't really bother with the fucking courses. I just did it for being in college. Like. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I started organizing the summer socials and social gigs for the college and stuff like that. So it was pretty was, was it kind of like a range of stuff or was it like strictly rock music or... It was a bit of everything. Like um, when we when I first started going, we just started going to the pubs in the mine and and my mate mine played guitar and sang. So we used to kind of make him bring his guitar in with a, on a Wednesday, and we'd take a half day. Yeah. And it became mandatory over the year that whatever classes were on at past twelve o'clock on a Wednesday, nobody went to because they started going to the pub <laughs> on a Wednesday instead. <laughs> so we used to go down and Green Graham would start in the smoking area at about twelve o'clock. We get a, a couple of toasties and then pictures of Bavaria, and the day went on from there. So we started drinking in Blanche then and I started organizing gigs. So I became like good mates with the lads that were doing the booking up there as well. And uh, by the end of the year, I think we ended up having, 
going to get Republic of Loose playing in, oh, in, uh, in Captain America. After a year. It was, it was a year or two because I went I went there for two separate years doing two separate courses and I did no study in either of them really. I ended up organising the gigs. That was pretty much it. But uh, I can't remember it was the end of the first year or the second year. But um, we organised something with, it was Ed Porter who's in Wild Ute now. He was, he was oh, the promoter wow. for Captain America's at the time. And we, I organised it with him and he said, well, you're too small a college to put on a, a social for yourself. There's like 300 people in the college or something like that. So we said we do a combined social night with Blanche IT. And I ended up selling like we ended up selling like two hundred tickets of the how many tickets was okay, that? So bad. I don't think Blanche yeah, IT not. bought any. <laughs> <laughs> but we all ended up going to Republic of Loose and yeah, that's what kind of got me into the gig gig scene at the beginning. Do you remember what the first band you ever booked was actually? First band I ever booked. Yeah. Um Jesus, I don't know. There was it was part of a college thing. So then first two years of college were pretty much blank. Then a few year few more years passed by and I ended up going to Valley Firm to do music management. Okay, and I met Jamie Kelly there, and we were we organized a group. There was four of us in the group, and me, Robert Collins, Jamie, and Paul Slater. And that was our like test group. We had to organize a gig. We had to put it all on. We had to book the bands. We had to book the venue. Have like business yeah. plan for everything. And I was part of like the, the the grading for the class. And um, there was a couple of local bands. I know David Co- David Kozak was in. One of the bands that played, I can't remember the name of the band, but they were fucking deadly. And it was in the Gypsy Rose. Well, Lee Kozak, I know that name. What's what band is that? Is he in a band? He's in a band. He does a lot of he does a lot of gigs now as well. He's got a, a Kozak Kozak Demers. He's called on, okay. on Instagram. I, I do know the name. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't even. I wasn't. Was that? That was the second gig. Sorry, the second gig was the Gypsy. The first gig was in the, the former Pint. Now the way. Uh, oh the man, Gypsy, I remember Fox, gigs in the Pint. <laughs> the, is the Pint the one the really narrow one? Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Whitey Fox is called there. Yeah. Oh, it's the Wiley Fox now. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was the sound cellar now. The sound cellar is upstairs. Yeah, the Wiley oh, Fox is downstairs. Go. Yeah, it was I remember all the point when I when we I were putting on the gig. Yeah. There's two gigs that I, the two days that I distinctly remember from that uh, from the when it was the pint was uh, Zach's band. Uh, I think they were called Breaking Juliet at the time, or what was the? No, they weren't. They were called This Way Down. This Way Down was the band that he had. It's like Breaking Juliet. That's a very Zach. Band. I think they changed. <laughs> I think no, because they had a they had a band message them from the states that were like, you have to change your name. Fuck so they ch- yeah, the, and, and the guys were like, "Well, like you know, we're not fucking, you know, we're not exactly making millions, so I don't know why it would be considered a big <laughs> problem." But uh, yeah, they made them change the name. But uh, then the other gig that I remember, oh, that was what was funny was our friend Owen. What's well, not funny, but our friend Owen was in a coma at the time, oh. so his favorite song was "Hero of War" by Rise Against. So basically, halfway through the show, this way down, just performed a cover of this of "Hero of War." We all just got up on the stage, and you could see the bookers going like. Uh-oh. oh for fuck's sake by the way bear in mind this was at like five o'clock you know and we were all like 16 so like all <laughs> underage, past, underage should not have been there <laughs> and then the other gig was we saw a band called the dead lay waiting which was this heavy fucking kind of like a heavier version of bring with horizon if that makes sense mm. like the suicide silence years like but they were i've i thought they were fantastic they broke up shortly after but the gig was at like two and there was fuck all people there. And I was mm. like, why is this, why is a band this dark and kind of menacing and stuff and emo and stuff at, at two o'clock during the day? It makes no sense. All, all of us emos were only 14 Yeah, at the that's time. true as well. I oh. was the same. I was like listening to shit at yeah. 14 going, where do I hang out? I'm, I'm sad all the time. The amount of gigs that I went to when I was about 13 or 14 where there was nobody at it was unbelievable. Like, I mean, like a dead room, just nobody there. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I never really went to gigs at that age. I think it was one gig I went to and it was in McGonagall's. Was it McGonagall's? You know what, beside Arthur's Pub? 
on Thomas Street there. There was a pub. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like all the Sweeney's heads gig there before it was before Sweeney's and all that. It was like the start their starting spot. Okay. And I uh, went up there. It was an all ages gig. There was no beer in the place. Me and my mates <laughs> were there, and I think it was about 15, 16, 15 maybe. And me and all the lads from Cabber went up, and it was an all ages gig grand. So I look, I I'm fucking thirty one now. I've always looked like it was thirty one from like twelve. <laughs> Do you have the beard at the time? No, no. Bare face. I can't imagine seeing you without a beard. Oh, it's, it's a shocking sight. It's a horror. It's horrible. But um, so we went up there, and I kept sneaking out and getting liter bottles of Bulmers in the spar in in Thomas. I remember those. Yeah. <laughs> and running around the side lane and drinking it, and then coming back around and back into the book. <laughs> there is actually there is a video of me at sixteen years of age. At I'm not going to say I'm not going to say who it is, but it's a video. Right. Because you could find the video on YouTube, and it's one of the most embarrassing videos I've ever seen. Okay, but it's 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 one of actually it's it's this way it is this way down. They're playing the Sugar Club, and you can see me extreme. I had a liter of vodka before going in at sixteen. Not a wise idea. Projectile vomiting. Everywhere. No, it wasn't projectile vomiting. It was just mosh pitting on top of everybody, and like <laughs> and then like like Mark, who was the bassist at the time, would tell me to calm down. You could just see this middle finger just coming through the air. <laughs> we'll watch it after this. I'll show, I'll show it to you after this. Who gives a flying fuck, man? Oh. <laughs> uh, the yeah, no, the the actual the all the last all ages gig that I was at was it was this gig it was this band like a grunge band playing in Workman's shoot and they were shooting a music video mm-hmm. and everybody in the gig was like fifteen and I went in and I was like uh, can I get a beer and they were like no I was like why the fuck not and they're like it's an all ages gig so we're not serving alcohol and I was like okay so I had to get a coke but I was convinced this band were the support to a friend of mine's band who were, were kind of like a Mumford and Sons type of thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, why the fuck do they have these guys on this support? So, and, then the, and there was like 15-year-olds slut dropping and everything. I was like, this mm. is, makes me, and you just see me in the back, you know, with this coke just going, what the fuck? So the, I, the inner metalhead going, yeah. this is not where I belong. <laughs> What's I, going on here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I was, and like, I, I, like I, I know for a fact that I'm in the music video because the camera cuts, like I, the camera guy kept going in front of me. And I was, but at the end, I messaged my friend. I was like, what? The, I was like, interesting support band he goes what are you talking about and i was like the gig in the workman's he goes that's next tuesday he goes what are you doing so i was just sort of random all, all, all ages all ages gig it's somebody's music <laughs> video somebody's music looking video. absolutely <laughs> like, like i hate you yeah literally <laughs> i have i know if, i haven't ever found the music video but i know for a fact that it's called the midas touch i know i know the that midas that's a, the midas touch like you know your man to touch the stuff that turns to gold oh right i thought so, it meant, meant like the midas keyboard no 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 no, no. <laughs> But um, so how did how did uh, you uh, coming about booking stuff for Shanae come about? Um, well, Shanae is quite a recent thing. Okay, but um, I was doing me and Jamie kept the fun machine going for well, it went on hiatus for a while, and then when we got out of college and we were doing bits and pieces here and there, we decided yeah. to start doing stuff. In uh, we got offered a residency in Fibbers. Oh wow! So we were doing once a month, which turned twice a month for a while in Fibbers, and then went back to once a month after the pandemic. But um. Uh, crispy actually no what was it we came back after the pandemic anyway the promoter that was there crispy she she was gone so it was me and the owner and the manager and it was between the three of us which yeah. in- inevitably ended up coming down to me because <laughs> I, I know a lot more people than they do yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah so the, like i've been enjoying that so far um been a bit more stressed than i thought it would be mm. throwing the bar work in with the Oh yeah, you're still wor- yeah. In with the booking and stuff like that is a bit of a head mind fuck. I tell you that much. I do, and I can well, I can't imagine. But like, do you do the sound as well, or does the band no. just come on and just fuck just 
figure no, out we've, we've got our own engineers okay. there like keith is the main guy he's he's been there for donkey's year he's been there since the owners took it over what nearly 10 years ago or something like that oh, he was one of the first engineers that came in and he recommended getting such and such a sound desk and doing this and that with whatever the sound system is and he's been there since pretty much day one wait like i remember i think the first the first band that i ever saw in shanae was zora and i was like holy fuck the sound and because you're, you're kind of just like you know, you go down to it and you're just like, what's this going to sound like? And then suddenly it's like a fucking, it's a big it's a, wall. Yeah, yeah, a big wall. It's class. <laughs> it's, just, it's only got better as well. Yeah. The new sound system that went in, it's ridiculous. I, well, the last gig that I was at was, was, was a Fizzy Orange, I think was the last gig I saw in Sinead and they, they sounded fucking fantastic. The Fizzy on Orange well. and it was Eris, wasn't it? Er, oh, and Eris. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh no, actually the last one was Mimic, was it Mimic did their first show in Sinead as well. Did they? It was recently enough, wasn't it? About like last month, I think as well. Mimic. James James Lonergan's new band. Oh yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. James James was in there. That was a good gig as well. Yeah, that was a very. Them good Them boys gig. are very good. I fucking and I, I loved them all the bits. They're all so sound. Uh, well, I I got to I finally chat to all them properly like uh, last week in Chennai. Mm. I was like, these guys are all fucking like your man uh, Phil the drummer is fucking hilarious. Phil is, <laughs> yeah. a, is a gas man. He's a gas man. Yeah. I ended up back in a house in Perrystown with all them and one of their houses. <laughs> And I started falling asleep on the couch and the lads were waking up. I was like, Chris, you have to go home. I was like, why? Can I just sleep on the couch? And he was like, no, we don't know you that way. <laughs> I was like, dude, if anything happens, I work in Sinead, you know me. <laughs> I ended up getting a taxi home. I was raging, just half asleep, just on the couch. Like, this is comfortable. Yeah, I've been there as well. <laughs> it's just like, who is this guy? That's <laughs> So I mean, this, this, I'm with the band. <laughs> this, was, this was after an epic, and I mean epic game of Nerf. Oh, uh, there was some serious nerf Where in my you play nerf? It was in the house. Oh, in the house? Yeah, we were oh. shooting each other with nerf guns. <laughs> so I got really into it as well. I was like, fucking G.I. Joe you know, in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, um, like uh, how, in terms of, like, booking uh, places for Sinead, like, is it difficult to book bands these days with the, with the coming out of COVID, or is it kind of just people are just wanting to do gigs all the time now? Well, it's a combination of both. People are wanting to do gigs, and people are getting on to me to do gigs, and then I'm looking at bands that... I could get in four gigs. Yeah, like yeah. a lot of my mates are like, can't, can't even tell you how many bands I know just from simply because of mates. But like the budget that we have in Sinead is kind of small in comparison to what you'd have for silly like the workmen's or anything yeah. like that. But like if a band comes to us that are of decent quality and I know they're going to bring a pull, they're going to get more than yeah, yeah. the regular Joe Soap that comes up to me looking for a gig, you know. But um, yeah, it's it's it can be tough trying not to, trying to keep things from getting stale as well. Because you have bands that come in and you, you know, you're you guaranteed to have a good night with them. You know what I mean? The likes of Chief, your Chief Keegans and stuff like that. They come in, they're excellent musicians. They're great to work with. They work the crowd very well. They're in it, just enjoyable music in general. It's kind of wolf-pecky, funky. Oh, no real vocals with it. It's just everybody can have a bop and bounce and that's flown, like yeah. that kind of stuff. You want that coming in regular enough, but you don't want to keep it too regular that it gets that people get sick of it as well. Yeah, you know? that's that's one of the other things that I've heard. Uh, like I, I was kind of unaware of it, but a friend of mine was gigging like crazy, and they had done four gigs or five gigs in in one month in Dublin, and mm. then they didn't gig for ages. And I was like, why aren't you doing any gigs anymore? It's like uh, saturate the market, Barra. That like if we keep doing it, people just get used to seeing us, and then there's no demand at all to see exactly. us. Exactly, nobody's gonna come see you then because <laughs> yeah. they're playing all the time, and then they think they're seeing the same show as well. Yeah. Which is, that's a big thing as well because I remember the Queen, there was Queens of Stone Age cover band played with us there two months ago, three months ago. Queens of the Sausage from Walker. <laughs> Good name. Oh, they're fucking, they were absolutely amazing. 
But I remember walking straight up to the afterwards. He's like, when can I book you in next? And he's like, dude, we're playing in Dublin once more this year and then maybe this time next year. I was like... Yeah, smart man. And move. he was explaining to me, he's like, yeah, you play once or twice in a year, people are going to want to keep coming to your gigs because they're not getting stale, you're not saturated yeah. market, as you say. Um, so, like, I hopefully get them in now the next time for... Next next year, for Sinead. But, um, like, the lads, they, they're playing in Fibbers, I think, in November. That's the next gig. And then coming back to us, maybe March, April next year. Yeah. That's a, that's a great way of doing it, though. Oh, no, it is. Like, like I remember there was one that wasn't a bit. There was one band that I was like, how many times are they going to fucking play Dublin? And it was, uh, do you remember the Blackout? They were, yeah. they were like a post-hardcore band. Kind of like like uh, Yumi at Six type of thing from years ago. Yeah, I remember, yeah. But they fucking played Dublin. I, I remember one particular year. They were And it was always, they were supporting somebody. Mm. Always they were supporting somebody. And it used to drive me nuts. I was like, I don't like this band. Why are they always here? But uh, obviously there was a demand for it. But one of the things that drove me mad was uh, some 41 were meant to play Dublin. And then I think the singer, they were doing a Kerrang Fest. Yeah. And yeah, I think the singer, yeah. singer went back into rehab. So they had to cancel the tour and all this kind of stuff. But the band that filled in their place on Kerrang Tour, I was like, who the fuck is it? And I was like, yeah, my friend was like, it's the Blackout. I was like, God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> And then, and then they're on stage and they do a cover of Fat Lip and I was like, okay, you, it wasn't that you bad. You kind of still, redeemed yourself yeah, you here, can, lads. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. <laughs> no Not quite what I that. wanted. <laughs> Which band have you seen the most, actually, do you think? Biffy Clyro, I think. Really? Biffy Clyro, we've seen four or five times, yeah. Oh, fuck, okay. I've seen I've, the Blackout seven times. Seven times. <laughs> You're the biggest fan. Yeah. Don't even like them. They've Don't like to me, Barry. Don't like to me. It's funny, look, but like most of my favorite bands that I that I've happened to see, I've only ever got the chance to see them once, if lucky, twice. And yeah. then whenever it's asked, who have you seen the most? It's like it's the it's the blackout, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Just one of them things though, I suppose. It's like this this I've seen what Queens twice. They're my favourite band, I only get to see them twice. That happened at it. Oh fuck! Scold myself nicely during "Sounds of the Death." Um, <laughs> Not a bad song to happen to, to be fair. No, it was the sec- <laughs> it was like the the last thirty seconds of it. I think I had done about seven circles of the mosh pit. Oh, like every time, you know, Marcus Carcass from Tra- Mar- Mark Flynn from Marcus Carcass and Trail Gang. Uh, no, I don't Sing- actually. Singer from Marcus Carcass and Trail I've never Gang. seen that band before. Um, absolutely amazing. Fifteenth, they're playing in Grand Social. And nice. should be there. Fantastic venue to see a band in as well. Yeah. Um, but it was with him and his girlfriend and my mate from school. I was doing circles and every time I passed Mark, I'd punch him in the chest and I was like, like trying to get him to come in. Yeah. And I think he, he said it passed him five or six times and the seventh time I was just nowhere to be seen. And then the crowd, like the song ended, the crowd faded away and where's Chris? There's no Chris to be seen. Yeah. Next thing I'm in the fucking John's, John's ambulance fucking oh, room getting stitched up. How many stitches was it? <laughs> Just paper stitches actually paper held stitches. it, okay. but it was like a golf ball out to here. Oof. I remember le- I was and I was leaving and uh, went down to Fibbers and like the lads and John Zambi said because to leave to cover themselves like you have to go to the hospital to get checked. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, right, do I really need to go to the hospital right yeah, now? I'll be there, there all six night. Six or seven hours. Exactly. Yeah. So I went to Fibbers and <laughs> and I knew at the time there was a medic that covered Fibbers living room and Murray's smoking area or the whole lot of the pubs. Yeah, as like an insurance thing to cover them if something happened. So I went up and I asked the doorman, is like, grab Kev for me, the medic. And he's like, Kev comes out and he's like, Kev, point at my forehead. Do I need to go to the hospital? <laughs> and he looks at me and he goes, no, it's swelling outwards, which means it's not swelling on your brain. And he goes. Oh, that's a good thing to know, actually. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> he goes, it's swelling outwards, which means it's not swelling on your brain. And he goes, go down to the uh, cost cutter on the corner there, grab super glue and painkillers. Oh, just in case, Christ. just in case the stitches burst. 
was like Grand went down, grabbed them, went back to Fibbers, had a few points, went back to a lock in then afterwards. Oh, for fuck's sake. Seen, seen, seen my manager, seen a couple other lads, and the lads are like, what the fuck happened to you? Does and your mom like, know this story? <laughs> she know, well, she knows a rough idea yeah. of the story, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, I would. Uh, my mom would never speak to me again if she heard this. Like, <laughs> I have to keep the night going. Like, yeah, no, I, I, know, I understand. Bring, it. bring back the glory because yeah. I was having a great time until this happened. <laughs> Do you know? I remember um, the only ever series. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the I've two serious injuries. The one was the one I told you when we were just setting up with where I did stage diving and no one caught me and I really <laughs> hurt my back. But the worst one was actually at Bike Curious and I got concussed. Oh, badly, I heard about this very, very badly at it. And then I've to, I've told this on the podcast before, but fuck it, I'll tell it again because it was on the first episode. But um, I uh, so Alexis takes me out, my friend, and no, it was two. It was two like skater bros who took me out actually, and they were like, "Yo, bro, you hit your head so fucking hard," and I was like, "Who are these guys?" Like, <laughs> and they were like, "You just like went." Boom. <laughs> and, uh, but then Alexis comes in and he's like, Barra, look at me, look at me. And I look at him and he's like, okay, follow my finger. And he does the follow the finger thing. I was like, am I concussed? And he goes, yes. He goes, you, he goes, no, he said, how well do you think you did? And I was like, pretty well. I think I followed. He goes, you just stared at my face blankly the entire time. He goes, you need to go home. And then I got, I went home and then as I was going out, Niall Donnelly was walking in. And I just went, oh, I haven't seen Niall in ages. I'm going to hang out with Niall. And I came back in and all I could see was Alexis, like me back in the in the crowd of Bike Curious, barely standing up and him just going, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Scold yourself nicely, yeah, I think. It's very dangerous. I, like I had to, I stayed up the whole night on purpose because I know you it's mm. like you never sleep on a concussion or something. I don't know whether that's a, a wise tale or not, but yeah. it's it's definitely advised to try and stay awake just in case. Was, I don't know what to like. Stay awake until what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you can only stay awake for so long, especially if you're doing nothing. I had an argument with my dad actually recently about the Grenlums film because he was like, uh, "So you can't feed them after midnight?" And he goes, "But when when can you start?" I was like, you're ruining the film for me. Seriously, I look random, so don't, don't do this to me. <laughs> feed after midnight. So when does the clock restart? Yeah. Exactly. Like, is it, is it like 6 a.m. 6 or is it 12? It doesn't, I don't know. But it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense if you think about it. <laughs> so like, I have a kind of a few quick fire questions. Well, not quick fire. You can go about them as much as you want, but they're kind of about music and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So the first one would be like th- with the current state of uh, what do you, what would you think of the current state of music in Ireland at the moment? Like, do you think it's thriving or do you think there can be more can be done? Um, I actually, this is, this came up yesterday as well. I was, I, when I was in work, somebody posted something about um, having more people of color and more LGBTQ yeah. uh, performers on Irish radio. And I, it came up a couple of years ago as well. It was like, there's no independent music on Irish radio. It's all the same yeah, four, yeah. top four or five artists every time, like, you know. Yeah. And um, I think there should be definitely more done for all, everybody all around in terms of that airplay kind of thing, you know. It should be a law for all channels, not just the national ones, to play a certain percentage of Irish music that's not U2 or fucking Fontaines or yeah. whatever, you know what I mean? It's underground stuff as much as it could be hip hop. It could be pop. It could be whatever you want. Like, yeah, I think there should definitely be more, uh, more music played on Irish radio. Anyway, like. but I remember even talking with my parents about this because I was like, I, I by the way, I can, I've had this conversation plenty of times. I was like, that that's exactly the thing that I think as well. Even just an hour or something like, or whatever. But 
it's like uh, I mean, my dad was like but is there a market for it and I was like well yeah and it's like because we have yeah. all this amazing music that people don't know about it exactly yeah. and I guarantee you that if people listen to it they go holy shit that's actually fucking class exactly like, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, like that's that's the benefit of the likes of festivals and stuff like that yeah you get to see people, people fall into a thing and they're like they wouldn't be there necessarily their cup of tea but all of a sudden they're like oh that band was deadly yeah yeah and it mightn't be it might be something they definitely wouldn't listen to outside of it Spotify wouldn't throw them a, a random fucking band like that but all of a sudden they're oh I like this band we'll yeah, find yeah. out more about this band but sure like even I remember uh, the, the first time I ever went to Knockenstocken um, Full of Hell not Full of Hell this place Hell we're playing the, one of the stages at it and I went, was with my friends who uh, n- none of my friends like metal at all. Yeah. Like that, like the the kind, especially the kind of the really kind of screamy stuff. Mm. You might get away with the Metallica uh, song every once in a while. Mm. But um, there was two girls who were like, I was like, you have to go to this show, and they were like, what? And it was three, it was three girls. I was like, you're going to this show, and they're like, we bar, we fucking hate heavy metal. I was like, you're going to see this place hell, and uh, we went to it, and then as soon as it started, it was just mosh pits like crazy, and they actually were really having a good, time. They were having a really good time, and then. You could see the guitarist do like this with his hands, like moving them apart, which mm. was to signify a wall of death. And uh, my friend Alexi was like, uh, what is a wall of death? And I was like, it's it's pretty much exactly what it says on the tin. It's when the crowd <laughs> splits in half and runs at each other. But one of the girls we were with was, was quite short. And I just saw her just run and just get boom. And it was like a balloon flew away. She covered flying. But they all came out afterwards saying that that was fantastic and that yeah. they would never have checked out a band they would never have checked out a metal band at all but like you had yeah like that's why i lo- think knock and stock and w- was one of the best music festivals in ireland because of the the massive variety v- variety i always get that word wrong that diversity they had yeah diversity yes I'll just put that on silent yeah i put mine on airplane mode yeah apologies i that's i'm so unprofessional when it comes to that kind of thing but um yeah, is do you know if is there any word on Nakasaki and coming back? Because I wanted to come back so bad. <laughs> I've I have no idea, yeah. no idea. I know there's ideas there for some of the guys from the, that I've been talking to, but it's not going to be. I don't think it's going to be a whole festival. Yeah, it'll be a, a tent. With, well, the the Dime Store lads own the tent, so they could. Oh, do they have something? Oh, right, they okay. could have something put on in there, possibly. I yeah. something like that. I don't know, but um, yeah, like the diversity that was there was unbelievable. Like I'd never seen groups of people get on so well yeah yeah then i have it knock and stock and it's like you just lose your mates in 10 minutes later you've new set of mates like you know what i mean yeah and it is every type of person under the sun was at it as well and it was just like oh you lost your mates come over here have a can it's like, yeah. i haven't got any cans <laughs> but we have cans let's have cans together like, one of them things like you know it's just but it's even it's very fa- like even uh, like we were watching it was like it was like i was surprised at the amount of families that were at it as well like it's mm. just a lovely it's just a lovely festival it's a lovely buzz yeah, yeah. it's great buzz like even seeing the guard doing the fucking bouncy hopper thing. What? Did you see that? No, no, I've never seen that. They were doing the little family sports day thing, and they had one of the space hoppers, and the guard was doing it. As a, fr- a fella I actually met at Wild Roots was the one who convinced the guard to do it. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, it's my crowning achievement. Yeah. I'm not gonna stop it. I got the guard to do the bouncy hopper race. Was that like a viral moment? I'm amazed I've never seen that before. Um, there was the Peoples of Knock and Stock and Photos has one of them on it. And oh, he's right, just right. the guy like midair on a bouncy hopper. It's just like a big smile on her face. Is that? She's like, yeah. Do, do you remember the video of the guy that was still in his tent two days after the festival was finished? <laughs> no. <laughs> they, they, they go over and they're like, mate, it's Tuesday or something. Like, no, it's Monday. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's Tuesday or something like that. And he's just like, all right. And then he just closes the tent again. <laughs> 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 there would still be people on site for that anyway. Yeah. Like I was at so couple to the last two years and then the last two years turned into Tuesdays very, very quickly. 
because Monday is just a write off. Everybody's having a crack. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody that's left that works or performed or managed to sneak away from the security <laughs> had a, has an absolute, absolute session of the Monday night. <laughs> oh no, it was, it was. I remember like the the Sunday night particularly. I was like, this is this festival's fucking wild. But there was no uh, malice or anything. No, I, no. Bar that one lad who was chucking stones at people one year, but that was that was about it. <laughs> mm. This crazy, crazy guy just something obviously was not going right, but he was just standing around chucking stones at everybody at the front at the front of the front of the festival it was huge as well it was terrifying like very bizarre that's a very bad trip right there uh, yeah i was about to say <laughs> i remember i saw the most obvious uh, actually we won't say this because we probably, probably shouldn't be knocking knocking stuff we'll move on to another question Go on. <laughs> well it was uh it was uh the tent that I had next to me on my first time that was there, I was like, in the the all the drug dealers at Knock and Stockton must be in this tent because <laughs> the, 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 they they never left it. I don't know why they even went, but I remember standing outside it having a can, and this guy goes up in a brown tan leather jacket with denim trousers on, and like some clearly an undercover, but like clearly a guard, <laughs> and he just goes up, "Hey, uh, lads." Um, I heard is this is a place where I can get some ecstasy pills. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, man! <laughs> Call them yokes if you're going to do it. Like, you know, at least, com- at least commit to the, at least commit to the lingo. But the funny thing was, when they opened it, you could just see the bang of fucking smoke coming out yeah. of the tent and everything. And uh, they just went, no, nah, man, that's not us. And he goes, are you sure? I was told by quite a few people that this is the tent to get it from. And they were like, no, nah, man. And he just goes, okay, and he walks off. And all you can hear is them piss themselves laughing. I was like, how did he ever think that was going to work? Like, <laughs> were they from Tyler by any chance? I have no idea where they were from. <laughs> heavy, heavy, heavy dub accents now. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I have a rough idea who they could be. <laughs> I, won't, I won't disclose yeah. on, on, on podcasts. Was fair. I was just, I just, I was like, I was like, come on! I was like, no, run, no wonder drug dealers get away with fucking murder in this country. <laughs> Have you got any ecstasy? Yeah, ecstasy, ta- ecstasy tablets. I couldn't, I couldn't get over it. it had me Could in I stitches. Smoke some like, ecstasy, yeah. please. <laughs> Do you have reefer? By any chance, do you have reefer? <laughs> Wacky tobacco, as they like to call it. <laughs> do you smoke the funny stuff? <laughs> Actually, just out of curiosity, this came onto my mind today as well because I know, as in you said, you did uh, sound and uh, sound and sound production, was it? Yeah. What do you think is the best sounding album ever? Best sounding, sounding album. like produ- production wise. What do you think? Jeez, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, like every time I listen to stuff, you kind of get another hear a new little whack of something yeah. that was in the background that probably shouldn't have. I've always had a thing since I heard Limp Biscuit. I uh, love Limp Biscuit. Sorry, Linkin Park. Hybrid Theory. Hybrid Theory. Hybrid Theory is an amazing There's album. One of the, in one of the main songs, I can't remember which song it is, that the dog barks just before Chester starts to sing. What? Yeah. Which song, which song is that? I can't remember what song it is. It's, it Literally, you can hear a bark just before he starts to sing. And I think it was like a dog in the studio or something like that, but they left it in. No way. I'm sure of it. Ever since I was a kid, ever since I first listened to it, it's like, that's a dog barking. And I just ignored oh it. And then after God, a while, I, I started listening to it more. I was like, I hear it every time. It's like, that's definitely a dog barking. Fuck me! I and I listened to that, that like that was one of the CDs that I have. I still have it. That's it's it's scratched because of how yeah. listen to listen to that listen to uh, how much I listen to it. I like I worshipped the ground that Chester Bennington walked on <laughs> and Mike Shinoda. So big, still yeah. still a big Lincoln Park fan. I have to say. I'm sure I, I can't remember what song it is. I'll ha- I'll find it on the way home and I'll send it to you yeah. because it's definitely there. I'll put it in on the intro. <laughs> I uh, I actually got to see them th- uh, lucky enough. I saw them perform Hypotherian st- from start to finish in full and then they did another two hours afterwards. <laughs> Fuck Very you. Very good, man. <laughs> I'm right closer to you. Sorry, yeah. I'm getting too comfortable here. No, you're grand. 
Um, so, oh yeah, so so hybrid theory is an interesting one. I always thought um, Metallica's Enter uh, Master of the Puppets is one of the best metal albums I've ever heard, sound wise. It's mm. fucking nuts. But believe it, I still think the best sounding album that I that I own is uh, I have Hotter Than July by Stevie Wonder on vinyl. Oh, yeah. Like the nineteen, I think it was in nineteen seventy eight. It came out or something. But I got it. I managed to get it on vinyl, and it sounds fucking phenomenal like is it you, an original vinyl or is it it's like the original the, pressing it's the original, original pressing. Press, the original pressing of it yeah yeah it's it's now the case is quite battered but the vinyl works pretty vinyl well yeah, yeah. But the funny thing is my my i got it off my nana and she had i got like a pavarotti one offer and um simon and garfunkel and all that kind of stuff but she uh she left them sitting in her house uh up flat uh, on flat yeah not not upright Very not good, vertical yeah. And I was like, these are not going to work. And weirdly enough, they do. I don't know how, but it's yeah, like that for about 20 years. Like, Yeah, well, it depends on the, the, the climate in the room they were in as well. And yeah, all that. I suppose. Like, is it too warm or too cold? That will warp them easily. But well, Her house is fucking freezing, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like them older albums, them analog albums, definitely, I think, would sound far better than most modern ones yeah like, like I, I don't get me wrong i think modern ways of technology and stuff like that it makes recording much easier mm. um but i don't think it sounds as natural as it would do back then when it was analog you had yeah. to go in and have everything perfect and if it wasn't perfect that's just how it came out because it cost too much to re-record it like you know that was like um I remember, like, you see bands going, like, you know, uh, I found out, re- I'm reading Ozzy, Ozzy, uh, Ozzy Osbourne's autobiography at the moment, mm. and I was amazed to find out that the album Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath, featuring the song Black Sabbath, was recorded in one day, because they didn't have any money, so they just went in and just oh, did it, did it, yeah. just did it in, a, in one day, like, what, what you consider, do? yeah, considered the first ever heavy metal album, like, by, by many people. Well, that's, like, that's what you had to do. If you had to do it, you had to do it, yeah. and you're probably playing them songs, the whole time anyway yeah so like if it's your first album them four songs are going to be played start to finish up dean times yeah and how many different versions of it beforehand as well like you know it was like 1969 i think that album was released so i wonder like back then would they have would they have you in different boots or would you record it as a band would you think you could have it as a live room and then solo put the vocalist into a separate room or yeah, like it depends on what way the producer, the producer or what way yeah. the the band wanted to do it. Like you know what I mean. A lot of them, a lot of them were live rooms. Yeah, it's like I know I I think I heard at one stage like the Queens of Stone Age for songs of the death. They used that kind of they used that technique, but instead of having they had Dave Grohl hit the drums, but the they didn't record the cymbals. They recorded the cymbals separately for some reason. Why the fuck would you? do I that? don't know, but it was a, it was a live scenario where they recorded it and then they over they might they might have overdubbed the cymbals. But how would he? No, he, yeah. play, he played it. He played it with the symbols. Oh, but right, Mike, okay. Mike Sorry, I thought, he'd have to, I thought he'd have to play without the symbols as well. I was like, that would that'd be so hard to keep rhythm with the. No, but way. like played everything with the symbols, but then dubbed over the the symbols with a record, with actual symbols and so put the drums into a room on wow, its own okay. and recorded the symbols that way. Strange. I never. I've never heard of anybody doing that before. I know. Yeah, it's weird. Do, do you ever listen to? I'm, Zach made me buy it. He comes up on this podcast way too much, but uh, he made he made me buy uh, Electric Ladyland by Jimi Hendrix. Right. Because I was like, I don't really like Jimi Hendrix, and he goes, You'll like fucking Electric Ladyland. And if you listen to it, it's there. It's I, I don't know. Would it be technically a live album? But it's them in the studio just recording, and you can almost hear people like 
smoking a joint, laughing and talking while they're playing. It's a really weird mm. album like that. And then you hear it go, that was good. And then just people cackling laugh in the back. Yeah, it's, yeah. A cla- it's, a cla- it's a really, really, really good album. Yeah, so, like that, that's that's the kind of buzz that you want when yeah. recording an album. Well, it's either have it perfect and be going in, bang, bashing it out and having it done and dusted. Yeah. And then leave the rest to the, the producers and, and, and people to, to fiddle around with it afterwards. Or go in and just see what comes out. See what comes out, yeah, yeah. That some of that kind of stuff is amazing. Well, like uh, I don't know, did you ever listen to Blood Incantation? No. They're but they're a band that went into record like they're a death metal band. Yeah. Like, I think are they would they be te- a technical death metal? They're proggy death metal band, but they went in and with their last album, the I can't human speed hum, slaves of human speed. They're basically when I got the album, it came with the book that outlined uh, outlined their dogma of what they think humans came from, which is space and and aliens, <laughs> and they right. went in. And recorded this album and it's by the way it's not even like it's you think by the concept of it, that it'd be funny it's not it's like a really just like jesus christ super but they surreal went in, you guys <laughs> they went in and did a load of acid and mushrooms and then recorded a death metal album and i was just like gee well, who the how could you do that like your poor brain <laughs> send you into the stratosphere and then play the most fucking hellish music going like. <laughs> good lord i'd be in a fucking yeah, I've been running, running down the field for weeks. I remember actually I was, when I when I saw Zora, there was a guy who was clearly uh, coming up on something uh, at the gig, and he was just he just was watching them for about two minutes, and he just went, "I can't do this." He's like, "I can't do this," and he just left. <laughs> <laughs> is this is Shanae, was it? No, this is at Knock and Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> So funny, and the funny thing was, right after he left, they did the um, they did "Never Gonna Give You Up" by uh, um, Rick Astley you know, for a little bit. <laughs> Just they were about, about to do a big sick breakdown, and I was like, "Here we go!" And then it was then it was like, I love that. It was like Dave Newell actually was on to me the other day looking for a clip that I recorded from Knocking Stocking. And it was uh, Chancer doing the Limp Biscuit. Oh with the man, two, with the I two, was there for that. That was two un- boys from Bay- that, Baylor. Baylor, that was unbelievable. Yeah, I uh, fucking that, that clip was absolutely hilarious. I've actually, believe it or not, I've only seen Baylor once, and I need to see them again because they're fucking sick. Playing the Workman's Club, I think, in a couple weeks, Sunday. Uh, oh, they or are. Yes, they, well, they're they're definitely playing a tour here soon. But I do, think did they did they did Shanae one time, didn't they? Did Shanae one yeah. time, yeah. I think it was the same weekend. That you, you might have saw Zora. Oh, because oh, we used to no do way. a thing where it was like electric picnic weekend or something like that. We'd put on a uh, metal nights because all of the rest of the crowd yeah, would be at the festivals. Yeah. All the metal heads would come and play. That's a genius idea, watch, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the, I think it was Baylor. It could have been Baylor, like the Saturday night and Zora on the Friday night or something like that. It was absolutely dead. It was a great weekend for me. <laughs> they're, they're too they're too huge like i fucking it's just so good to have actually like i say this every time i'm on the podcast it's, like, it's so good to have amazing irish metal bands like because mm. like, i don't think there's a there's a really good video called uh, by a guy called Ganalock on youtube who does a video even on irish black metal which is and he's just like he goes for a country that's so small he goes the music that comes out of this place for metal is unbelievable i was mm. like i wish people would actually take fucking notice like mm. Because we have so much amazing talent, like God alone is one that I keep going on about as well. Are fucking unbelievable, fantastic, yeah. No worries, I might chop up my wine glass as well while we're at it. (laughs) God alone are absolutely amazing, though. I can't wait to see it. Like, I haven't seen them since I went, I was in Galway for a night to see By Curious, and God alone was supporting. Oh, were you there for that night? I was, yeah. That was a wild. I say that was a, a mental one. That was a wild <laughs> one. I ended up. I was going there on my way to Lisdon Varna, 
Liston Barnum. The Liston Barnum matchmaking festival was on, and oh, I no. said I'd go to Liston Barnum. <laughs> I was staying in Doolin for two nights, three nights. I went to Liston Barnum on the Saturday, and my God, was it some fucking change, crack. change of surroundings quite oh, so. <laughs> the banter was unreal. I ended up like we couldn't get from Doolin to Liston Barnum. It was a ten minute car journey. You couldn't get from Doolin to Liston Barnum. It was that busy. It was that bad. Like no taxis were going, no buses were going. There wasn't even like a little fucking minibus going from the pub oh, to Jesus. across town. Like, so we ended up. I met these two lads from uh, just outside Athen Roy in one of the pubs, and they were staying in the caravan park across the way from where I was staying. And uh, they called the owner of the caravan park, and he sent his young lad over in the car <laughs> and picked pick, pick, pick the three of us up and dropped us off at Lisbon Verna. And uh, wouldn't take money off us then when we got to Liston Varna. <laughs> so we ended up throwing money at them, getting out of the car, and then walked into this hotel in Liston Varna, and it was full of just like farmers and elves doing line dancing on one side, and then look to the right, and these two boys had their whole hurling team on the right hand side. <laughs> just walk in, all of a sudden, I had 30 mates from fucking Athens. Right? Like, this is Chris, he's from Dublin, he's with us, he's having a great time. It's like, I'm having a fucking blast here, lads. Oh, Matt, like, even like uh, one festival that I love is like other voices. Like, you just get on with everybody, like, all the townspeople are just like great to have you. Come on, mm. do everything you want. <laughs> I'd love to go down there, I haven't had a chance to go down to other voices. Oh, it's pretty, it's, it's good crack. I'm looking, you have to like book it a year in advance in order to get my, any place my to stay. has a holiday home down in Dingle so we just stay at that you and where was my invite huh? I didn't actually believe it or not I didn't I was meant to the, the, the time that I went down was meant to stay with my mum and dad were staying in it mm-hmm. and I was meant to stay in it and for whatever reason I just never came home <laughs> so I ended up staying like uh, uh, somebody's child put me up in a hotel that, that they had an extra bed which was quite nice well it was more kind of a hostel thing we put but then I think the night after that, uh, Shay from Somebody's Child, he had a spare room in his hotel, which was the night where, did you ever hear the Guinness story? Where I woke up and thought that I shit myself and <laughs> found liquid everywhere. And it turns, <laughs> turns out that I had uh, gone to sleep with a pint of Guinness between my legs. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. Yeah. <laughs> As you do. I've done that plenty of times myself. I never I never spilled a pint when I fall asleep though with a pint in my hand. It's, it's I just amazing. remember watching fucking like, oh, who was it? The Ray Darcy show and just being like, this is class, isn't it? And then Shay was like weirdly asleep with his arse in the air. It was a very strange night. But uh, oh, and then there was one guy that when I was in the pub that we were in that I got the pint from, he was like, I know your dad. And I was like, I have no idea who you are. <laughs> and he was like, I know your dad. Is his, is his name John? And I was like, what? Yes, it could. It is. But, also that, but he, he was from he was from Belfast or something like that. And he was just convinced that he knew my dad because my dad's all my dad's from Tyrone. But it was very strange. I, mean, he, he also I would, know he your also, father. Exactly, that's lit. That's literally what we said. And by the way, he never told me who he was. <laughs> it gets it gets to that certain like level of points where like in your. It, I can imagine being him in his mind's eye. He's like, yeah. this guy knows who I yeah. am. It's like, I know your dad. I'm trying to have a nice conversation with that, this man and he's just ignoring me. <laughs> that was a night. There, 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 I remember in the same night, there was a, there was a bunch of the townspeople playing um, poker, but they're mm. playing with cash. And I went up to the table with a tenor on me and I was like, I want to fucking clean this table. <laughs> they all had like 50 euro notes in their hand. And somebody just had to grab me who I didn't know was just like, uh, no, you're not joining that yes. table. And I was like, it says that anybody's allowed and they're like, you will lose everything <laughs> <laughs> the sharks are they, over they're here they're good players yeah. i was like oh, i'm good and they're like not in the state Come over here at the to moment. the kiddies table yeah. <laughs> pretty much yeah <laughs> we bet we bet pints and fags and, <laughs> and maybe a bit of a joint but not your house no. <laughs> 
So uh, one another question that I have is uh, who in your oh actually no we'll do this one. What was the first and last album that you that you've properly fell in love with? First album that I fell in love with would have been, I think it was it's Songs for the Deaf probably yeah Songs for the Deaf, and then the last album that I fell in love with. Jeez, oh, last album that I fell in love with start to finish. I actually can't even tell you. It's been a while since I I got a couple of records yesterday, but it's been a while since I had a nice uh, record listening day and actually sat down and listened oh, to it. Oh, well, I'm the I, same, like because my we have a record player at the, I have a record player in my room, but it's it's loud and my sister's been studying the entire time, so like I go to put it in and she's like, no, <laughs> put in the headphones. But uh, the, what, well, pops in, that. what pops into mind is Clutch Psychic Warfare. I bought that. Oh, on, I've listened. Oh, Clutch are fantastic, yeah. actually. I now I haven't listened to them in a long time, but they were. Uh, not a long time, about five years. But didn't they have they had a they had an unbelievable album that was out maybe four or five years ago? Psychic like, Warfare, yeah. Is that is that yeah. what it was? Was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was out there, like I bought that in vinyl because I remember one of the DJs in Sinead kept playing it. I was like, I like this buzz, and uh, I bought that and listened to it. Like it was it was recorded. I'd say it was recorded analog, specifically oh, really? for specifically for vinyl. Very because you can hear you can well. hear the you can hear the breaks. Oh no way! You know I mean? yeah. So you can like it, it runs. If you listen to it on vinyl, you, it starts off. It's like it's got this intro of the walk into a saloon and your man's taking an order and it's, let me tell you, like, or he's not even taking an order. It's like I'm gonna give you a piece of paper. Just let, write down what happened here. Yeah, yeah. And then it breaks into the first song, but it goes continuously until the break of the until you have to flip the album, and then it kind of stops and then <laughs> flip the album and it starts again. But if you listen to it on Spotify, it's like break, stop, break, break, break stop, yeah. break, stop. And then, but if you listen to it on vinyl, there's no break. It just keeps going. It flows. It flows lovely. Do you know, do you ever, um, I remember listening to it the first time uh, and I, f- I felt it, I think it's, I think it's the Slayer album, Rain and Blood. But do you remember if you listen to like an old CD, they would have like maybe like even sometimes almost like a second of a pause before mm. the next song would play. Yeah. They had none. So each song would just go start off just straight away straight away straight yeah. away and i was like this is actually so fucking jarring to listen to but at the time consider groundbreaking like yeah yeah it was just it just came back into bed about the break thing it's just a weird yeah, way that's, i think yeah. that's like a live, a live room recording if you go in with that prep that we were talking about no. if you go in with that preparation that you know which way the album's gonna go yeah you know all the songs inside out why not just walk in and play them straight like no it's not them play them straight it's like that they're they are playing it by because remember tommy air was talking about it, he goes they actually play it like track by track but they just have it that the, the the track listing between when you're listening to on a CD that there's no break at all, mm. so it just plays. So like you know, and then stops, and then the next one would be like, but like straight away with a different thing. Yeah, yeah. And like they thought, like at the time, apparently it was considered groundbreaking. But I remember listening to them. This is so jarring to listen to. There's no no kind of uh, room to kind of go. Okay, here's the next here's song. The next like, song. <laughs> no, no room to mentally prepare yeah. for it. Yeah. There's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no intro. It just stops, starts again. <laughs> Do you ever listen to them actually, Slayer? Not much. No, yeah, no. I, I tried. I've been, I've been given out to by many a metalhead friend for not listening. I, to them I tried to get into them, and I, I just wasn't really much a fan. And uh, again, got given out to by somebody. It's like I just don't. I just they're just not for me. Exactly. Same with the other one. I don't know. No, I. I you might be a Tool fan. Uh, first ever concert was Tool. Oh, really? Actually, not no. A, not a massive Tool fan. Though. Oh, where'd you where'd you see them actually? The the point when it was the, when it was still oh, the point. Fantastic. yeah the old 2.3 yes my <laughs> my first get one of my first gigs was at the point as well and was madness 
And the crowd, I remember just, we were there, I was like six or seven, and the crowd just started beating the shit out of each other halfway through all the all the, the ska heads. And I, just thought, I remember turning to my dad, and he just goes, don't mind it, just look at the stage. <laughs> Smart man. Yeah. Smart man. Um, what was I saying? Oh, no, but I remember meeting a Tool fan, a very... Uh, in, I've met a few Tool fans, but I, I always find that whenever you meet them, that they are always the ones to tell you that if you don't like Tool, you're an idiot. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, yeah. And it's just like, uh, the, but the Fibonacci sequence, it's like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. I like the music. Like, don't get yeah. me wrong. I love instrumental music. I fucking love that kind of offbeat, mad time signature buzz. But yeah, yeah Tool, is, it's just, you know, Maynard is a bit too strange for me, I think. He is quite strange. He's, he's a quite, quite a strange fellow. I love the way you think Maynard's strange, but you're at Peaches there the other on Saturday. <laughs> peaches, is there, peaches is peaches, like Peach, Jackass. Peaches is peaches, yeah. Jackass. Well, oh yeah, she yeah. <laughs> I I remember before the show started, I was my friend, a friend of mine, because I was there for like I had, I was like I have to see Rena who did who did amazing, but uh, a friend of mine was like, have you have you ever heard of what Peaches is like live? I was like, no, and he goes. Um, She's pretty wild. <laughs> and then as soon as she starts, I was like, oh my God. It's like, this isn't going on the Instagram story. <laughs> I'll get banned. <laughs> uh, one of the girls was playing in uh, playing guitar for Peaches. Used to work oh, no in way. Dice Bar and Flippers. Fuck. Bartender. Blaheen. No. Blaheen. Eckhart. Eckhart. I just had a person on LinkedIn message me whose name is Blaheen. I was like, there are more people in Ireland that are named Blaheen. So it's yes. not obviously the same person. <laughs> so this, this, this person's half German though. Oh, okay. And she's whopper guitarist, and she was playing guitar with Peaches on on tour for the rest of the tour as well. Fuck, she's absolutely deadly though. Ballet dancer, amazing metal guitarist, and Jesus. just an auto great person. Full works. Yeah. She's fucking deadly. So she got me guesses for it. So oh. I went in and got wrecked. <laughs> it was a very very good show. It was. Um, uh, so I think uh, my next question is: Who would you consider one of the most uh, underrated bands going at the moment? Underrated band. No, it doesn't have to be an moment. Irish band. It can be any. It can be anybody. Underrated. There's a lot now. Like I've always considered Irish bands to be underrated anyway because yeah, yeah. all the shit I listen to. I'm, I'm like a music hipster, man. And fucking all the stuff I listen to, nobody else fucking listens to. Then I try and force it on people in Chennai and I get given out to by the boss. <laughs> it's like that's, just, that's me at after parties. It's like just wait till you hear this, and they're just like, I don't want to hear it. I want to listen to Impala. <laughs> wait till you hear the guitar yeah. part. This fucking amazing. <laughs> Was well, not yeah. always metal, but, but it, it mostly is. I'm, it generally is with me <laughs> yeah, as well. It's like I'm, I'm big instrumental fan. It's like just put on fucking Drass Drass or Pelican or something like that. Like, <laughs> do you ever listen to Pelican? Pelican, not really. Oh, you like? I think you'd like them if you like instrumentals. Yeah, yeah, very good band. I, really, I like hefty instrumental though. They're not so much atmospheric. Instrument. Russian circles. Yes. Yeah, Russian circles yes. are fantastic. Yeah, kind of like. Uh, God is an astronaut is great, but I'd much prefer overhead. Uh, not overhead. Sorry, overhead are amazing as well. But I much prefer, and so I watch from afar. Oh, and so I watch it from afar. I only listened oh. to them recently at the uh, bequest. Bequest is that the right word? I don't know. Uh, but uh, Gav told me to listen to them. Yes. And I was just like, I was like, I've never listened to them before. Was, didn't even know. That, I was amazed to hear that they were Irish. Uh, from Belfast. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, fuck me, they're unbelievable. They're oh, so, so good. good. Such heft. Yeah. And it's funny, like when I, if you if you had said to me at like twelve or thirteen to listen to an instrumental band, I wouldn't want not a hope even at 16 or 17 mm. but then i started getting into bands that ha- would have like like uh, longer song structures so that would go on for yeah. nine minutes and then started finding the instrumental parts kind of even more even interesting even the, more the interesting lyric than parts. the lyric yeah, parts yeah, yeah. I, li- I like the instrumental songs because like you can i don't know whether it's the right the way they write them or not but i figured there's a story to them without the lyrics 
Oh yeah, so, and like, I create stories in my head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know whether that's the intention of them, yeah. but I create a story you know, in my head. With Russian circles, I'm just like there is a narrative going on here that yeah. I've that, that, that and I can I can like even when I'm walking home, I just have this whole thing going in my head, which is obviously a fantastic aspect of that they're able to do that with yeah. their music with people. Yeah, um, well, that's 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 what I enjoy about them. But um, in in terms of like under underappreciated, jeez, I don't know, the Foxjaw. Foxjaw would be an or Foxjaw would be an underappreciated band. I don't me. know who they are. They're an Irish band from Limerick. I have this has to stop happening. I'm hosting an Irish music podcast, and every single time I have somebody on, they mention a band, and I don't know them. <laughs> it's getting kind of bad. <laughs> Foxjaw, ma- massive Queens of the Stone Age vibes off them, but all right, like the singers are, his voice is absolutely amazing. I've never seen someone go get so low and get so high as well. Oh, and wow. then just like like falsettos almost. Yeah, and stuff. he's fucking oh, absolutely wow. amazing. But yeah, Fox Jaw would be one of the underrated ones. They've been going for years. They used to be called Fox Jaw Bounty Hunters. And then they shortened it to Fox Jaw. And like the drummer is a videographer as well. So he makes all their videos. Oh, and all their videos are super cool as well. And uh, yeah, they've been one of the first bands since like I was in Body Firm at that time. And one of our projects was to get like 10 songs on YouTube and make a playlist of Irish music that you liked. So I went oh, through it. And, that's a nice and project to get. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one, of, one, of the, one of them, one of their songs was on it. And one of... Um, What's her name? Roshino, one of her songs is oh, on Oh, lovely, it. yeah, yeah. And a couple others. It's like freaking Roy Seven. Oh, I remember Roy Empire. Seven, yeah. We actually, it was Roy Seven, um, was that the band that were like, uh, uh, we, we should, should we be, be leather. He, he, he actually, swear to God, they came in uh, to our school and gave a talk about what it's like to be become a musician. Yeah. And and I was just like, don't you guys have just like one song? And and it, but my friend was like, yeah, it's a banger of a song though, to be fair. <laughs> but he, t- he, t- he told us a really funny story where he was saying that um that he wasn't a very, it, by the way, it was the whole band, sorry, the whole band and the whole band, did the, we, we got to see them live essentially. But um he was saying this story that I always found hilarious was that, because they got signed by Universal, I think, and they were a very small band and suddenly were signed by Universal. Mm. But he said that his tactic was he was shitting himself before the show and that what he did was he just stared at one woman in the audience for the whole thing and just stared at her. And then, at the, at, and then at the end of the show, she was like, oh, my God, that was an incredibly intense musical set. That was fantastic. And then <laughs> she signed them. <laughs> oh, really? So, yeah, they got signed. That because was of it. jammy. Yeah. <laughs> that was jammy. Now, I might be paraphrasing the story a little bit, but that's that's kind of the crux of, of what he was saying. Sure, he was an actor anyway as well. He was, I think was he was he, an actor he, or a presenter on RTE or something Did he host, the, de- did he host like the Den at some point? I'm not sure. I know I know he was definitely on TV or yeah. movie, in, in, in TV or movie at some stage as well. Like there's a load of stuff like that like with, with bands. It's just like they've got other things going on and they mm. just end up into music and next thing they're fucking massive, you know. But like all of the bands at that time, like the likes of Bipolar Empire as well. I know all them boys. And then the two of them guys went on, or sorry, the drummer went on to be in Wild Youth now as well. Yeah. So he's with Ed. Very well did, himself. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like Callum is one of the absolute legends of the music industry. Well, back when I was getting into it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because he was working <laughs> in Crow Park in the bar and like, I was walking through like level of one of the mid levels between like three was the main seven was the main and like in between was like the corporate and the premium levels and stuff like that i was walking through one of the premium levels and next thing is find callum and callum was up to me he's like chris give us a hand here he's like what's up and he's like, we drank all our free we drank all our beer rider <laughs> but the lads in Roy seven don't drink can we get into there can we get into we get dressing there, room rather drink <laughs> It's like, I don't know, Kyle. It's like, but you work here. It's like, yeah, I work in the fucking bar. I don't work as the fucking 
Like with everybody, we ended up breaking into Roy Seven's dressing room, stealing their beer anyway. I, I, wonder, I wonder, are we allowed to say that story? But it'd be fine. <laughs> I remember I the, the uh, what was it when we I used to work for Eddie Rockets and that they. they well, actually, we didn't end up stealing their beer. I think I made that bit up. I, did, I wanted that, that story. We'll I wanted that, that story. <laughs> I wanted that story to be true in my mind. <laughs> I was like, did we? Um, what was it? But I, I used to work for Eddie Rockets, and at the Christmas party, they used to give out these drink tokens that you you had to get a free drink, yeah, and then you had to pay for the rest. But I knew a bunch. Of, I knew all the staff members who didn't drink, and I would go around just before, just like, can I get your token? Can I get your token? Can I get your token? That's the way it worked the and, system. And man. I remember uh, at about halfway through my, because I didn't realize that my manager was going to be at it. I just thought it was going to be kind of just the the staff floor people and all that kind of car, not management. Yeah. And she, I just turn around and she's there in front of me. She's a small uh, Venezuelan woman and she's like like up to here on me, mm. uh, which is like just bu- just above my chest. And uh, she goes, how are you this drunk? And I was just like, what? And she's just like, have you taken tokens off everybody from the staff? I was like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Next day she was not pleased. <laughs> the bosses never are. No. But sure, this is how you work the system. It's the same like with doing a Lion's Edge promo in Sinead now on, re- on the weekends. So you play, pay a fiver in for the gig, you get a token for a pint of Lion's Edge. Everybody comes in, it's like, can I have a pint of Heineken? How has that happened? I never knew about last, that. Last few weeks. Oh, right, okay. So like everybody comes in, can I have a pint of Heineken with this? It's like, no, you can have Lion's Edge. Yeah. So they end up not drinking it, but like someone will come along and like, I enjoy Lion's Edge. And everybody, all of a sudden people are like going, oh, you're drinking Lion's Edge, there's a free pint. It's a stout, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. It's it's all right. It's not it's not Guinness. Yeah, favorite would that be would that be your favorite joy, a drink of choice? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I I when I go to Scra- when I go to Chennai, I always get is Scraggy Bay is the one that I always get. But the problem is about Scraggy Bay is I, it always gets me absolutely steamed. Yeah, that's like, the thing. Kindergarten's are good beers, but they will get you steamed. Right, yeah. yeah. You'll have like I remember the first time I had it only had like two or three, and it was and by the by the time of, and I can drink quite a bit. Like I, mm. it's not a badge of honor, but I can drink quite a bit. It takes yeah, a lot yeah. to get me fucked. And I had like three of them. And I was just like, "Oh my god, I actually feel like my f- head head feels warm." Do you know that like that that level of drunk? Like <laughs> they kind the same. Like I drink a bit. I drink a rake a rake load of pints of Guinness, and then I, like I'd be able to walk out of a place for no problem. Mm. Might be making the most coherent of conversations, but I could be walking out of the place. But if I change the diet, like if I change from Guinness to something else, yeah, just automatically, in a, even in around the same percentage. If I drink Smittix, let's say six pints. Ugh. <laughs> You know what I mean? As soon as you get to the five, six point mark, you're starting to feel it. And it's, it's like, like your body has built up a tolerance just for Guinness and exactly. nothing else. Yeah. Exactly. But it's like changing your diet. Like, yeah, you know yeah. I, mean? <laughs> I remember one of the weirdest experiences that I ever had with alcohol, with, like when I was drinking in a pub for the very first time, I was in the pub, never left it. So I had about like, by the time it was done, I had like nine or 10 pints. Right. And um, was still sober, felt sober the whole time. And then as soon as I hit the fresh air, I just like, apparently, oh, that's, apparently yeah. I just went, Boom, just fell backwards. <laughs> that that has happened to me on occasion as well. It is the it's, weirdest feeling. Yeah. It's so uncomfortable. Yes. The, the benefits of being a smoker. You yeah. get you hit that air fairly rapidly. Or you hit that air fairly uh, like the one, a lot the more one than benefit. you would. Yeah, yeah. It's one benefit of being a smoker. But you, uh like that's happened to me before as well. We were like at I was at a house party in Cabra, one of my best friends' houses. And uh, we'd set up like his mom was notorious for putting on a session, and the, my mom and dad were notorious for putting on a session in the back garden. We set up like a corner table, got a little fucking stereo system going. I had a laptop, a hard drive plugged in. I downloaded rake loads of tunes. I was DJing <laughs> the shit out of it, having a great time, taking the piss out of my mate because he simultaneously looked like George Best and Shane O'Connor at the same time. 
it was, I was like, what does that mean? Because like, he used to have a ponytail. Okay. And then he looked like George Best. Right. And then he shaved his head. And then he looked, then like, he looked like Shane O'Connor. Okay. He must be very attractive. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> Adam Banks, if you're listening, you're not attractive at all. Um, but yeah, we were doing that. And I was, I was sat in this chair all day drinking cans. Yeah. I hadn't budged. It's like, when you give me the tunes, you're not getting them back. I'm not relinquishing that power. You know what I mean? You're <laughs> yeah. getting what I'm fucking playing. Yeah. That's, that's it. So I went to, I, I, I don't know how many cans deep I was. I like stood up to go to the toilet because I hadn't budged from the back garden. People were feeding me. I was getting cans handed to me. I was having a great time. Yeah. But I had to stand up and just keeled. Oh, no. <laughs> nearly took the whole table with me, like laptop, hard drive, speakers, the fucking, you name it. I was nearly taking it down with me. And yeah, I had to be put to bed that night. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, well, it, but it is one of those because you're just like, I'm perfectly fine. It's like, I was like, I don't even feel giddy. I don't feel drunk. It's like, this is great. And then you go out and you're just like, Ugh. <laughs> he literally. Yeah, ox- just, oxygen yeah, into yeah, your blood just, all of a sudden. <laughs> just fucking just turned to mush. Like. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like diluting the alcohol in your system. Or yeah, it's like that. weird. <laughs> the way actually was, was over flying to, um, uh, Can- I was flying to Canada, flying over to London uh, with my friend Chloe. And because of the way Dublin Airport is at the moment, we were worried sick that we were going to miss our flight. Mm. And we were just like, no, we'll get there super early. And we got there, like the flight was at like 12. We got there at like half eight or something like that. And we just walked straight through security. I was like, what the fuck? We just, we just got lucky that day. Yeah. There's nobody there. So um, we, met, we met Gav actually in, uh, Gav Purcell in uh, the smoking area. And then we're just like, well, let's just get a pint now. And then <laughs> I forgot that you get, if you're on a plane when you're drinking, it, that it makes you like 10 times as drunk because yeah. of the altitude that I think it, I think it like it loosens up your blood or something like that. So it travels yeah, faster. Yeah, it out the blood. Like yeah. Also the oxygen levels be more pure because you're pumping oxygen as opposed so, to it. So we got a, we got a vodka and Coke when we were on the, on the plane, just going like, we're going to see Charlie XCX tonight. This is going to be great. And then like had the vodka and Coke. And by the time that we were leaving the plane, we were like two giddy 14 year olds who just had their <laughs> first drink, just going, <laughs> we were on the tube going over to the hotel. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, we're, Plasters, like, we are so drunk. And a friend of mine messaged me. He goes, "You know, it's two o'clock." He's like, "Are you aware that it is two p.m. in the day?" <laughs> yes. We had to, to walk around London for the whole day, just just really drunk. <laughs> you go get yourself a feed. Sort yourself. We did. Out. We got we got uh, we got curry cheese chips. Uh, That's not a feed. No, we got no. Sorry, we got uh, chicken curry and chips. With, uh, yeah, and it was it was a decent feed. With, yeah, the that's gig, a feed. The gig was in Ali Pali actually, which is a venue that I was not aware was for ten thousand people. <laughs> Ali Pali, Alexandria Palace. Uh? Um, but we walked in thinking because she was doing a tour of like two thousand people, two thousand people in Dublin and Birmingham. Yeah, and all. Yeah. So we were just maybe the London show is the same. And then we get there, and I was like, what the fuck? This is like a palace. And then we get in. It's, it's in the name, Barra. I know. <laughs> but I always thought it was just one of these fancy things. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out and make you look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but we couldn't, could not get over the size of it. Like yeah. really couldn't get over the size of it, but it was very good. We got to the front as well, which is great. Fucking daddy. Yeah. Very, very good. She cried during the show. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Cause she was like, uh, when I was doing shows, she's like, I used to have to fill it out with my family and friends. No, no fans, whatever go to it and all this kind of stuff. So she's like, it's been a long road. She's been touring. She's been uh, playing live gigs since she was 13. She's 27. She's 27 now. Fuck. So, yeah. But, um, yeah. I remember the two of them starting. What? I remember XX. XX started with, I think, the first big song that she had that was like radio play was the I Don't Care song with Iconic Pop. But uh, she used to do uh, raves 
that her in like London and stuff that her mum and dad would have to bring her to. So she would go up on the stage and do like a half an hour at a rave where people are fucking, you know, charming the face, charming off, the face says, off with yeah. her parents sitting there watching it. And then as soon as the set was finished, she had to leave. <laughs> She did that for years. She was, was they, they, like, were they involved in that scene or something? As no, well? no, they're, her parents are quite straight laced and stuff. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. They're just they just wanted. I guess they just want their daughter yeah. to do well. I guess. Yeah. Fair play. Yeah. Good story. Uh, are you going to? Is there any good gigs coming up in Chennai soon? Um, it's fairly tame now for the next month or two because every other gig under the sun seems to be happening in Dublin at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got a <laughs> we've got a fairly tame couple of months coming up. I think there's one plan for the July thirtieth. And one plan for the fifteenth of July, and then his rest is DJs for the time being. DJs, right? Um, oh, actually, uh, Zach, sorry to interrupt you, but Zach messaged me. To, I asked Zach, I was like, do you, th- "Do you have any good questions to ask Chris?" And he goes, uh, "Who's Chris's favorite DJ at Sinead? And I was just like, "I'm not asking him that. <laughs> you can fuck off." It's Zach. It's Zach. No, actually, it's George Mercer. George Mercer is a very good DJ. <laughs> yeah, George Mercer. Uh, he was on the podcast of two, uh, two or three weeks ago. Yeah, he's no, I, I, I like my tribe, your tribe. Yeah, fantastic what a band. band. Great band. Great band. Um, I was yeah. un- I was unaware that it was just him for a while. Yeah. I was listening to them. I was like, and then him, I, he used to get session musicians in the play with him. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But then I like I started. I, I was listening because I was listening to. Him, I was like, this is class. And then and then you know researching and all. And I was like, know that he had a project, but wasn't aware that it was my tribe, your tribe. Mm. And then I was just like, this is fucking nuts that he does everything. On yeah, this. yeah, yeah. Bit one of them fucking Trent Reznor types. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do everything better than everybody else. I actually have a, I actually have a good Trent Reznor story. Now I'm not sure the how how uh, factually correct it is, but because uh, it was told by Russell Mills, who apparently likes to stress the truth of it. But he was the <laughs> he was the artist who did the artwork for Downward Spiral, and he was saying that um, he's a he's from Manchester, I think. Um, he does all these kind of, like if you look at the Downward Spiral, that these kind of like it's almost like melted metal and all mm. kind of like. But he's he's a cool he's a very cool artist, and he get he get, he did a four hour lecture when I saw him, but. Uh, but he was going on. I was like, how did you get the Nine Inch Nails job? Mm. And he's like, well, Trent liked my artwork, told Universal to fly me over to L.A. And because that he doesn't like uh, working with anybody that he hasn't met before. He has to. He doesn't want to do anything with anybody yeah. that he hasn't met, which is fair. I think that's, that's actually fair. that's fair. Um, but he said that like Russell describes a story as Russell, like he's my mate, but he describes a story like that he went into this room and it was like, if you ever see like Tim Burton's Batman with the extremely long table yeah, or they're at one end or the other and that Trent was at the top and that Russell was at one end and that Russell was served like a four course meal and then Trent just watched him eat. And then at the end was like, okay, yeah, I'll take him. He's, he's a good, he's, he's a good. <laughs> that's, that's uh it, I definitely would think that that's a little bit embellished. Yes, right? oh, I would say a, a little bit, just a, just a <laughs> just, teensy bit. Just, just a, turned up to eleven, <laughs> yeah. maybe a little bit. You know? <laughs> like, you don't mind an old story embellishment if it's believable. It's, believable, <laughs> yeah. it's funny, like whenever I tell a story, uh, I always like like to tell it with like as much as much details as possible, which a lot of people don't like. And if, if my friend of mine is like. I could tell a, tell a story that you're telling in about 30 seconds. He goes, you take five minutes to tell it because yeah, you have to set... Where's, where's the entertainment in it? That's what, that's what I was like. Because like, I, I have to set up the room. I have to set up the context of the situation. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, no one, no one needs that. I was like, that's what makes you a shit storyteller. You, you have to make a sidebar. <laughs> yeah, you have to make exactly. it come off and then go, where was I talking about? Why was I talking Bring about this it again? All back, Bring it all back in. Throw in a few metaphors. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Get lost in your own story. Anecdote on anecdotes. <laughs> <laughs> 
So where would the fun be in like not like exactly. not having loads of sidebars? And the other thing as well, by the way, when he fucking tells the story, he misses out on all fucking good like good details as well. And it's like you're ruining it. You're, you're ruining every bits. aspect of yeah. Good funny bits. <laughs> I broke my leg at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Written by Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually a bad example because Stephen King is one of those people that if you ever read one of his books, he does describe everything in detail. Like there's no, do you know the way you have that thing when you're reading a book, you can, you can get lost in it and you just imagine, you can imagine the room that they're in and stuff. You can't with his books. He fucking tells you everything that's there. <laughs> you, can, you start making up your own room, but he can't, he, he won't let you. <laughs> yeah, he won't let you, room. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible at reading fiction. Terrible. Oh, I, I, lo- I love, I love a good biography, but I'm terrible at fiction. Oh, if you're loving it, Ozzy Osbourne's autobiography is I'm fantastic. I'm reading at the minute. Oh, nice. I heard that's very good. Uh, what's I'm that? Running, called? What's the title of that one called again? Uh, the Likely Lad or Likely Lad. Yeah. yeah. I imagine that's quite it because he's had a, he's a, a pretty turbulent uh, life for a while. Pretty turbulent life, but I, I don't think he's seen it as being turbulent. I think he's seen it more. He's like, he's very eccentric. Well, he's probably rationalized it in his head as well. No, but he's, he's, he seems like he's, he's eccentric as fuck. Yeah. But he oh, educated okay. himself early on. Like he was really smart. Oh no! You, you would have like, to be smart to write the music, like the liberty and like his mm. his lyricism is. Very, mm. He's a fantastic lyricist. Like yeah, he took yeah. a lot. He's like I'm only at the beginning now. I'm only about 50, 60 pages in, but he's talking about his childhood and stuff like that. And he's just like, yeah, a lot of my, my parents were strict. I didn't really go out. I just fucking read books. So he's very like, so far he's well educated and stuff yeah. like that. And like well, like he dropped out of college or whatever. But he did really well in his. Leaving school Everything, exams yeah. and stuff like that. Just so wasn't like, just wasn't for him. I, I'm finding it pretty interesting because I always found him as being. I, I always thought I, he was either a junkie or a genius. I didn't know whether. Yeah, to he, think. He, but he does have that thing where people just write him off as just a fucking drug addict. You're yeah, just like well, no, like he, you'd he'd have to be the he'd have to be, you'd have to be somewhat uh, talented for us to even know him. Do you know, and not exactly. just a junkie. Like yeah. yeah, yeah, like but like when I I remember when I was younger, like we were watching MTV two or something like that. And my sister had this mad crush on him. And it'd be like, it wouldn't be, she was mad into like fucking Bullet from a Valentine and shit like that. Oh, so right. That was, it was mad kind talk. of out of sorts for his, like, I, oh, you'd be dirty. He's gorgeous. Yeah. And he's like, we were watching them and he's like prancing through this field somewhere in England and having a great time for him. He's like, this lad is just away with the fairies. Like, who, who even is he? Like, you know what I mean? And I just remember he's like, and then you listen to his songs, you're like, that, that's him? Where the fuck did that come from? Yeah, a lot of nuance to him. And, yeah. yeah. But like even reading the book, he's just like he bit. It's just a bit eccentric. Yeah, I I think that's just the best description for him. He's a very eccentric. I've got to give it a go. There's been there's been a few now. I've read I because I recently got into. I've stopped reading um fiction. I've got in. I I think nonfiction like reading just autobiographies mm. is fantastic. Patty Smith was like the first one that I actually sat down and read and it was a fantastic book. But uh, Ozzy's one's brilliant. John Lydon's one's brilliant. Johnny Rotten uh, Anger is an energy, but he's a like he is a prick. So mm. it's kind. Of, but he he. Every story that he tells in it, he is being a prick in the story. He knows and he's, he's, being and he's a prick. owning. He knows yeah. he's being a prick, which is what makes it kind. Of if quite you're a prick and you know you're a prick, then that's it's yeah. grand. Who's the other one that? It's the ones that deny they're being a prick. Yeah. <laughs> it's the problem. You know? <laughs> I'm not a prick, John. I'm lovely. Slash's autobiography is unreal, by the way. Very good. Very good. Like, read. I'm not a I'm not a Guns and Roses fan, but Neither my I. God, I enjoyed that book. I, I thought enjoyed it was that really as well. Um, Slash's was good. Dave Grohl's. I didn't know Dave Grohl had Dave, a book. Dave Grohl has a memoir out now as well. It's oh, very good. Well, it was pre pre Taylor Hawkins. Oh Jesus! Yeah, unfortunately, may he rest in peace. Great drummer. Can you imagine jumping into a, like Foo Fighters with like Dave Grohl. Imagine. 
As a drummer. As a drummer. Yeah. Well, sure, was it? They had the guy for Sunny Day Real Estate was the, dr- the drummer for yeah. a while. And then Dave fucked him. Dave fucked him big <laughs> time. Right. Yeah. Like, that was... Like, re-reco- re-reco- I think it's the only time I think Dave Grohl has been a prick in his life. I, but the funny thing is, like, I actually quite... I, I, I do... What, he, what I think he did was horrible. Like, like to go in and re-record all your Somebody man's drums, drums without, telling without telling them. And then, you know, oh, you can still come on tour with us and do all the press junkets with us and yeah. all. I'm just like... Particularly oh. when the lad wasn't having, he didn't enjoy that bit anyway. No. He wasn't enjoying the, the stardom bit yeah. of it. He wasn't like a very out, out there person. No, that, like was Sunny Ray. William, William, William something. I, I can't remember his name. No, but Sunny, Ray, Sunny Day Real Estate just in general yeah. are a very kind of dour band. Yeah. Like, yeah. Melancholic. Yeah. But uh, I remember seeing, I remember reading that, st- seeing that story in the documentary. And I was just like, whoa, Dave. Because mm. he has the reputation as the nicest rock star, the nicest he guy. Might, in rock it may and be roll. the most dick move he's ever done. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, but he still owns up to. It. He still he goes. I don't really regret it to be honest. Because he goes. I, I I needed. I that was at a time in the place with the band where I needed the band to sound the a way particular way. To, yeah, and it, they were just weren't sounding that particular way. So. I I do get it, but at the same time, it's like if I would never forgive you if you did that to me. No, like, yeah. God, no. particularly when you look at the 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 level of success that they've had as well. Oh Jesus, yeah. But you look at people that are in that situation that walk away from it, and you think, what the fuck were you thinking? Well, the one, the one that I always think is like uh, your man. I don't know if you're a big Metallica fan, but um, Jason, Jason, Jason leaving the band. Dead, yeah. But I think he left the band. I think he left it for like health reasons, and also they were just they that band. If you ever see the documentary, some kind of monster, they were on the verge of breaking up anyway. So yeah, yeah. Well, they like they, they fucking. It's it they got fuck, to a point where it was just aggression towards everybody and well, they one fu- another. They fucked him big time anyway on the first album because like and Justice for All has one. The song one is easily one of my all time favorite songs. Mm. I've it was one of the first proper metal songs that I fell in love with. Still love it, but I like you listen to it now. You're just like okay, I, I remember seeing Corn do a cover of it uh, for MTV Icons for Metallica. Yeah. And it's a fantastic cover. And like Corn very famously have Fieldy on the, doing bass. And the top comment is, this is, this is, so this is what this song sounds like with bass. Because Jason's bass is cut entirely off that album. Mm. He plays bass on it, but you can't hear him at all. There's right. no bass on it whatsoever. It was the first album, it was the first album since Cliff Burton died. So he was, the, he was yeah, yeah. taking that position and Cliff was a very much loved drummer, a bassist. But it's, it's still just like, did you, could you not even give him a, Tansy bit of a sound on the album. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But like that kind of stuff, like if you look at the Arctic Monkeys, that basis that recorded Better Look Good on the Dance Floor, it's a completely different basis than the one I have now. Is it? Yeah. He oh. left. He didn't want he didn't want it. Oh Jesus. He's like, where why why would anybody do that? I'm sure I'm sure they have the reasons. I remember thinking of, of it though when I found out it was a different basis, like why would you do that? Yeah. It's like the amount of money you're in for, like you know what I mean. Like, like I remember seeing a. Uh, do you know uh, Doyle from Misfits? So do you know the do you know the band Misfits? Yeah, you know, the yeah. fucking no makeup Misfits, and all yeah. that kind of guy. So Doyle, I think, is the guitarist in it, and he was saying so. Him and Glenn Danzig, the the singer for yeah. Misfits, Danzig left years ago and then came back for a bit and then left again. But like I remember he was doing an interview and he was talking about it. he's just like. He goes, it's the one fucking industry in the world where two people can't let go of their egos to make fucking millions and millions of dollars. Like, he yeah, goes, we'd yeah. make so much fucking money yeah. if we just could get past the stupid bullshit of not being able to be in the same room as each other. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, like, that can aid the creative process that can also fucking hinder fucking it as well. Hinder, yeah. yeah. Like, if you hate each other, just let it fucking speak through the music. Like, but like, that, Get I, along for yeah. the sake of earning money and make it th- speak through the music or... 
just kill each other. <laughs> I don't know, celebrity deathmatch style. I'm just going to let them go oh, out. I, I missed that show so much. <laughs> <laughs> I used to watch, I remember watching that as a kid. It was like Lindsay Lohan against fucking, I don't know. Britney Spears. Bam, bam. Oh, Britney Spears, was yeah, it? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Such a good TV so, show. Remember, clean fight. Good yeah. clean fight. <laughs> they always got so absolutely outrageous as well. <laughs> Very good show. And the two commentators were always yeah, hilarious. with the fucking mustaches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like dodgeball. What's his name in dodgeball? Oh, Jason ba- Jason Bateman in dodgeball. No, uh, oh, that's the, <laughs> the, 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 the hippie dude or skater, it's a surfer dude. The surfer dude just yeah, doesn't yeah. have a clue what's going on. I don't know, Ted. It's just, it looks like something might happen here. <laughs> no, actually, it just remind me now. He is Poopies from the new Jackass film is exactly like Jason Bateman in real in, in Dodgeball. Have you seen the new Jackass film? I've seen the new Jackass. You know the new ba- the new member Poopies, who's the guy who gets um, he's the guy who, when they the they do the quiz where they get slapped in the balls by the end of it if they answer the question wrong. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he the, the the surfer bro dude. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah, exactly yeah. like Jason Bateman's character. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love Jason Bateman. He's so fucking funny. Yeah. My friend, my mum and dad and I are watching Ozark at the moment. Oh, yeah? And uh, I'm, I was like, uh, is it good? And they're just like, yeah, it's just weird seeing Jason Bateman. Uh, in a serious in, role. In a kind of scary role, yeah. <laughs> so you're sure you listen to Smartless. Have you ever listened to that podcast? Smartless, no. It's Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes. Oh, I say it's hilarious. Oh, it's three of them. Do you know Sean Hayes? The fellow from Will and Grace. The really, really, oh, really gay fellow from he, Will and Grace. He was actually just... Uh, he was uh, doing Jimmy Kimmel. He was taking Jimmy Kimmel's place for the talk show. And oh, was he? I was surprised at just how funny because I, I every so often, if I wake up in the morning, I watch, I watch the monologue. I never watch the show, but I watch the monologue. But uh, he was doing it recently. Fucking hilarious on it. Yeah, yeah very they're, they're funny. Like the three of them together. I'd say that's yeah. I'd say that it's is good. fucking hilarious. <laughs> who's sorry? Who's the third? Who's the third one? Sean Hayes. Sean Hayes, Will Arnett, and Jason. Oh, Bateman. Will Arnett. Yeah. Job. Yeah, Job. Three thousand dollars. Did you ever see that scene? I may have made a tiny big mistake. <laughs> I still think that my favorite kind of Will Arnett moment is when he's in Hot Rod and he's doing the the no babe when she's leaving and he goes no babe 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 no babe. babe. <laughs> I completely forgot it's about just, that right just, now. It just goes on for so long. Like, <laughs> no, babe, babe, no, babe. Thank God it's a, a, a sealed it's, can. It's a sealed can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't actually, like, to be honest, we've got so off track. <laughs> babe. The last thing is this, because I thought, what, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, so I, I, I always finish the podcast with, uh, uh, what, is the fa- what is your favorite aspect of the work that you do? Is always the favorite the, aspect about the work that I do is the different types of music I get to see on a regular basis. Mm, I would it's imagine like different genres. Like I consider myself a rock indie rock rock head. Wouldn't be that much of a metal head, although I I'd enjoy you dabble, some, yeah. dabble, yeah. <laughs> but like everything from folk, you get there's a lot of spoken word in Dublin going lately. Like you have a lot of that going who, on. Who's the fantastic? There was a, a spoken word person who opened for a band recently, and it's like a jailbird or something and it's, well, it's not spoken word it's kind of but it's just a singer acoustic guitar thing and it's um, it's like because we have jailbirds and then there's another one i can't sure. remember i'll have to I'll have to look that up I think but it's it, like the likes of like shakalak were in there on oh, Friday yeah, Shack- yeah fantastic and band. they had like they had a couple of rappers come in the three young people that they were doing a little bit of rap and singing just a girl singer i can't i can't remember the name of the band but the girl that was singing was absolutely amazing voice mm. And then you had like Emma O'Brien and the poet Jeff 
all of these guys like Emma O'Brien doing spoken word is absolutely amazing. The poet Jeff. I don't think I've Debbie. seen. I've seen the poet Jeff. I haven't seen Emma O'Brien Emmett. do anything. Ah, oh, Emmett, Emmett is it? Emmett's next level. Oh, is he? Is he? Is he Dublin old school? Dublin. I don't. I don't. Think no, so. he's not. No. no, he's not. No, Dublin old school. That's, that's the that's the other guy yeah yeah Emmett, Emmett I know you were thinking of Northern Emmett yeah 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 uh, <laughs> but no Emmett O'Brien he's uh, he does spoken words and poetry as well it's fucking he, like I've never seen a man to shut a crowd up like he sucks them in yeah. all he's doing is talking like you know what I mean yeah, yeah. nothing else around him I don't know how he does it everybody kind of goes uh, just sucks it in yeah and he, he tracks them all in and he's just got that energy about him and he's the only man I've ever seen 24 bottles of Wicked into a 5 litre <laughs> water jug and, and carry it around knock and stock him for a weekend Emmett what's that Wicked Blue you want some <laughs> a whole weekend carrying around a massive but then one of the water tank it's not even that nice you know, you know the water tank things that you, you fill the water yeah, out yeah, in the, yeah, the gallon jugs one of yeah, them yeah. one of them filled with Wicked Blue because he took the glass bottles off and so he poured it. I, I remember my fucking my my first drink was wicked and it was my cousin just I was I think it was I was just turned 16 and my cousin got a wicked blue and wicked red and he goes watch this man and he poured them both into a, into a glass and he goes it's purple now <laughs> like like it was the most mind blowing thing in the world. <laughs> You've done art, I yeah. see. <laughs> it's like aftershock blue and yeah. aftershock red. It's like purple haze, lads. It's purple haze. <laughs> I remember okay. that. Jeez, thank God I don't see that anymore. What the mixing but, of the, the uh, aftershock in general, aftershock or Goldschlager? What? Oh, Goldschlager. Which one was that? Goldschlager was the cinnamon flavored uh, liqueur that had gold flakes in it. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. and then there was the rumor that it would it cut your throat cut to your get throat you drunk so the, quicker. The, the, yeah, the alcohol which, could enter your bloodstream. I remember, quicker. I remember having this argument with my brother. It was like I was like uh, like an FDA thing or an, or a you know a, a board be it would never approve a drink like that. No. That's that, that would cut that would actively cut your throat <laughs> on the inside. That's the most fucking stupid thing I've ever but heard. They had like, flakes though. Oh, you had flakes, but that doesn't mean that it fucking cut your throat. Like, <laughs> it made sense logically it would make sense it has little gold flakes the gold is going to cut your throat the inside of your throat the 16 year old us would believe anything true I believed a lot of things when I was younger I'd probably still believe now to be honest with you <laughs> but yeah getting to do stuff like that seeing all the different types of music and then um also, like I'm dabbling in festival work as well now, so yeah, I saw that. More yeah. different types of music. So yeah, I'm just having a great time listening to music all the time. For a man who never sing or played an instrument, I'm involved in it somehow. Yeah, that well, that's me as well. Like because I I I can't sing for the life of me, and I've I've fucking next to no rhythm. So I was just like, I'll get it. I'll I'll find I'll find a way to get into it, which was art. So I was like, I managed to sneak my way in there, I, but. Yeah. I'll, I'll be a fly on the wall yeah. somehow. <laughs> I'll get to annoy. I'll get to annoy band somehow by getting asked, getting to ask the questions it's, that I want. <laughs> it's like I'm going to, I'm going to be roadie extraordinaire someday. Like one of the lads back in the day, the Dark Lanes, Kevin O'Byrne is his name. He used to go, he's like, when we make it big, we're just going to get you a coffin, and you're going to live in the coffin, and we're going to feed you with cans of Guinness and Rollies, and it's just going to put you in the back. And it's, it's going to be like a flight case coffin. You're going to be in the back of the truck in the flight case coffin, and we open it. You just carry all the shit to the stage and from the stage, and we just leave cans and fags in the coffin for you. And I was like, that makes sense. Yeah, that, that's doable. It's a wonderful life for yeah. me. <laughs> open the door, daylight. Lift, lift, lift. <laughs> With that song fucking roadie by Tenacious D. <laughs> I make the rock go. That's the that's the dream right there. So we were down in Wild Roots. I was working at Wild Roots and there was um, 
every morning I'd come up to the, the production shed where they were storing the gear and stuff. And one of the lads that was there, Adam, he, and, and, uh, he's uh, got autism and he, he'd come up in the morning and then for like the, the three Adam, days. Adam O'Brien. Yeah. I went to school with Adam O'Brien. Yeah. He's a lovely he's lad. Lovely, yeah, lad. lovely lad. And he was, he was doing a bit of work with us down there. And then like for the first time he heard it, it was like the roadies. Like for the next two days, it was like, we have to play the roadies. Yeah. Like the, the intro to the day is like, we make the rock go. And it's like, <laughs> that was the intro. And I said it to him. It's like, if you're ever working any music gig, that's the first thing that yeah. you have to do every time you start play the shift. Is play fucking roadie, man. Because <laughs> we are the roadies. <laughs> And yeah, it was a fucking great experience though. He's just doing a bit of crack. Yeah, working, yeah. working some site work, doing some stage work, having the absolute banter doing it. Mm. Is it set, is set, set, setting up and all that kind of carry on, is it? Yeah, well, like I, down in Wild Roots, I did a bit of, like we did some site work during the week, but then I was I, I initially thought I was going to be running to and from stages with, with equipment, but I ended up, I went down to the main stage on the Friday and I ended up staying there for the whole weekend. Nice. <laughs> there like, was four of us there doing the changeovers for the man. So we were like getting bands ready at the side of the stage, rolling it out, helping the other band roll out the far side of the stage, that type of thing. It was really cool though. Yeah. Fucking did, did razor light and everything. Like. Oh, no way. Yeah, razor light was unreal. Yeah. It was like a blast from the past. I felt like it was in I was about to say, still. I didn't even know they were still going. Like, yeah. yeah. I think they got back together with the original lineup and they only released a new song as well. I think the week after they oh, played class. by Roots. Yeah. So it was like, it was just really cool going out and you're sound checking in the morning. You're like, in the morning. You know? <laughs> and then I went out and they're playing it to a couple of thousand people and then looking at one of the lads that was working with me and they're just like, like this is we put that on that stage. <laughs> yes. This is all because of us. Yes. They're playing there because we put that there. If we didn't put that there, they wouldn't be there. <laughs> well, uh, I don't actually have, I don't have any more questions for you, man. It's been an absolute pleasure of having you on anyway. I've yeah. drinking non-alcoholic Guinness here and it actually feels like I've been drinking normal Guinness. Is this lying to me? <laughs> No, it's not. I had that actually. Like, there was a period where I I wasn't drinking for about two months, a couple, a couple of years ago, and I used to go out with a non-alcoholic beer. And after about two or three of them at the pub, you'd, you'd forget that you're not actually getting pla- plastered. Like, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you're around like, people that are getting plastered, yeah, yeah. so it's like os- what's it, osmosis. Yeah, osmosis or like, like or absorb weird, some of the drunkenness, or like a weird placebo effect of it. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just <laughs> absorbing the drunken vibes, and all of a sudden, that you feel like you're drunk again. And then you walk outside and you realize you're not. <laughs> I can drive home. Your, your blood has been oxygenated, but we'll bring it all back. <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden, yeah. stumble. Wait a minute, did you have enough sugar today? <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks you for having me. You can come back on anytime you want. Ooh, it's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>